Drive Time on RT Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. Protect your family's future with life cover from Zurich. Talk to a financial broker to find out more. First today, a new document published this afternoon by People Before Profit includes claims that the rich will use their control over the media to turn a population against a left government. And it alleges that the prospect of a Sinn Féin-led government has led to a barrage of propaganda from the Irish Independent, the Irish Times and RTE against the party. Well, to debate all of this, we're joined now by Richard Boyd Barrett, People Before Profit TD for Dunleary, and Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne. And thank you both for joining us this evening. Um, Malcolm, before we get into the the document from people before uh, profit I'd like to ask you about Wexford Hospital and, and the fire obviously that has devastated the community there over the last 24 hours I know you've met the emergency services uh, yes uh, Sarah and I think um, much tribute has to go to the emergency services uh, and the volunteers and indeed the staff in Wexford General Hospital for what happened I, I think it's only really today that the scale of what has happened has really begun to sunk into the community this is the biggest evacuation ever uh, of a hospital in Ireland. And when you think about, you know, what goes on within a hospital, uh, the potential uh, where, where a lot more damage could have happened, um, this, um, this, this was a successful operation. Uh, there, you know, there's no evidence of any injury. There's no smoke inhalation. So that was positive. So along with uh, Housing Minister Darrell O'Brien, who was on a scheduled visit to Wexford today, we met with um, the fire service and the civil defence in the county. We thank them for the work um, that they did. And I think what is important, and it's what the people of Wexford wanted to hear, uh, is that the hospital will be rebuilt. Uh, there are plans as well for a new 96-bed unit uh, to further expand the hospital uh, that uh, Minister of Health has committed uh, to looking at seeing can that be expedited. Um, but, you know, we're just very grateful for the work of all of those and particularly emergency services who managed to put out this fire yesterday. And how long will it take to rebuild the hospital? Well, the uh, the the extent uh, and, and the scale of the damage is only being assessed. Uh, so there's no elective surgery uh, in the hospital for the next two days. It is hoped uh, that uh, relatively soon that some services will be made available um, in the hospital. Um, but it is going to take, obviously, a bit of time uh, to assess the full extent of the damage. Uh, that will mean uh, that people from Wexford will have to travel to other hospitals in the region and beyond. Uh, and certainly, I think, you know, as an example of that, the, the health service cooperating, that hospitals uh, in the southeast and indeed in Dublin and, and as far as Navin were able to take patients okay. from Wexford. But we, we do need to get our hospital rebuilt and back up and running as soon as possible. Okay, well we will be returning to that story and getting more updates a little later in the programme. So we'll move on now and Richard Boy Barrett is also on the line. And Richard, you claim in this document published by People Before Profit that the wealthy will use, and I quote, far-right and fascist gangs who use a spurious radical rhetoric to divert anger onto social scapegoats such as migrants, gay or trans people and that in the final analysis they'll deploy the police and the army to move against elected left governments. Do you really think if, if Sinn Féin for example were to be uh, the leader of the next government along with other left parties that the wealthy elite as you say would, would deploy the police and the army to move against them? 
Well, I have to say, first of all, that I think it's interesting that uh, people have chosen in the headlines to ignore the vast majority of the case that's put out for a left government and why we need a left government and what a left government could do to address the housing crisis, the health crisis and the cost of living crisis and instead focus uh, on a reference that is made in one page in the document where... I have read okay. the whole document and I'd yeah. like us to get to some of the other aspects that you've just mentioned. So maybe yeah. if you just answer my question and we can move on. Yeah, well, what you said is this is what has happened to other left-wing governments. And just to cite some, maybe some recent examples, uh, there's a huge scandal in Spain at the moment over the fact that uh, the centre-right government there colluded with uh, elements in the Spanish police to plant false stories about Podemos, the left-wing uh, party, getting money from Iran, which were totally untrue, right? So that's an example. We saw it with Jeremy Corbyn, where Jeremy Corbyn, a left-wing MP, leader of the Labour Party, suffered an absolutely unbelievable barrage of hostile propaganda to the point that he was essentially deposed. Uh, so there is a, in fact, I can't think of a single example uh, historically where a fairly radical left government was either challenging for power in a serious way or had uh, came into government where elements of the state and elements of the media, it's not, by the way, to cast, to tar everybody in either of those institutions, but the elements uh, would try, uh, who represent vested interests, who don't want to see change, would Mm. try and undermine, uh, sabotage, misrepresent uh, a left-wing government. What about the police and the army and that claim that that could happen? the police and the army will be deployed by the wealthy to move against an elected well, left-wing government. I mean, well, for example, we this weekend, the Debenhams movie about the Debenhams strike is going to premiere in the Dublin Film Festival. And uh, at the end of that strike, there was an absolutely shocking example where the guards were sent in. And I was present that night where uh, women who'd worked all their lives were engaged in a peaceful uh, picket and protest, were dragged off a picket line in the most horrendous way by the guards. Now, I don't know who ordered that, uh, but it was absolutely horrendous. Or recently, we had uh, the anti-racist demonstration that People for Profit played a significant part in organising, where for reasons I really cannot uh, understand, uh, guards were pulling leaflets out of the hands of People Before Profit and other people on that demonstration who were handing out anti-racist leaflets. So is it possible uh, that elements in the state uh, would use their position to try and undermine a left-wing government or a movement that was seriously challenging uh, certain vested interests in Irish society? I think it is entirely possible. Malcolm Byrne? Well, I I guess on the one hand, you know, this is a welcome document. Uh, I've had the opportunity to welcome the document. It's, it's, It's quite significant. And it does set out if you like, what a program for government of an alternative government comprising, you know, people before profit, Sinn Féin, the Social Democrats, as, as Richard would argue, this is the kind of program uh, that they would set out. Uh, so, so from that perspective, look, there, there are, as Richard said, there's a number of policy issues which we can we can debate in detail. On the other hand, I just think the document is bonkers. Um, it's, I mean, this idea that you know we would see if there's a change in government. Uh, that in some ways, as, as, as it says, uh, you know, on page 27, that the police and army would move against the government 
uh, you know, that the print media and RTE would act, to, you know, against it and would repress minority voices. I mean, in fairness, Richard is probably on programmes uh, like this one more than any other Oireachtas uh, member. You know, we have a very balanced and fair media and it's always been recognised in this country and, and we all have disagreements, you know, with how the media cover things uh, from time to time. I think in fairness, and Richard, you know, would acknowledge uh, that for the parties and governments, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, sought as far as, as possible uh, to tackle racism in Irish society. It's very important that we, you know, we welcome migrants. We don't try to engage in the kind of the class warfare um, that Richard is setting out. And it's not just about one element within this document. I mean, there's a there's another line that, that Richard, uh, that this document talks about, that if there was a change in government, that in the working class suburbs of Dublin, there'd be celebration and delight. And this is what it says, quote, a feeling that against all the snobs and experts, they have elected their government and that real change is coming. Uh, and I think what we shouldn't try to do and what we've always tried to do in Ireland is to avoid, you know, this kind of divisiveness. Um, OK, back to Richard and that, please. Yeah, well, first of all, I think there there is incredible disillusionment. And of course, it's not in Malcolm's interest to acknowledge this fact. But there is absolutely enormous uh, alienation from a, a political system that has let people down so badly uh, on basic things like housing and healthcare and the cost of living. Or for that matter, today I was meeting with students uh, at USI uh, briefing about the shocking student poverty that people are enduring, how they're impacted on the accommodation crisis. And they certainly feel that they're at the wrong end uh, of a war, for want of a better word, that is uh, that is depriving them of a decent future and where they're going to be worse off than their parents uh, and their grandparents. So uh, I, I think Malcolm although it's in his interest to do so, is simply not acknowledging how disillusioned uh, and uh, how much suffering there is out there as a result of the failures okay, of Fianna Fáil and Okay, so let's take a look at some of what you outline in this document as to how you would how you would fix that. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I, I felt, Richard, in fairness, some of the stuff that you're saying, it's like you, you've got half sentences in there. You're saying one thing while, while sort of, you know, ignoring the other aspect of, of the reality. We'll say, for example, you're saying the government's doing nothing on affordable housing. Well, that's just not true, is it? They haven't perhaps done anywhere near as much as people would like, but it's not that they're doing nothing. You're saying that uh, the government is allowing banks to charge higher interest rates, but we know part of the reason for that is because uh, we allow, or it's very difficult to repossess houses in this country because of our laws on repossession. And as a result, banks are charging higher interest rates than elsewhere. You say the government's ideologically opposed to intervention and helping people, for example, in healthcare. There's been 24.3 billion euros spent on healthcare. You know, uh, that's intervention at, at mass scale, isn't it? So do you think you've been very selective in, in, in no, what you put into I, this no, document? I, I don't, because we have the worst housing and homelessness crisis in the history of the state, and it is getting worse by the day. The situation in our health service is so bad now that the nurses are... Uh, uh, 
likely are very uh, are considering taking industrial action and they don't do that lightly because we are in an absolutely dire state in terms of staffing uh, in our health service. Uh, the government uh, have not done anything significant that is going to reverse the massive cost of living uh, cuts effectively people have seen in their okay. incomes. Now, there's a, there's a common thread in all of these things is the unwillingness of the government to chan- uh, stand up to certain vested interests. They won't stand up to profiteering energy companies. They won't stand up to big corporate landlords and vulture funds. They won't stand up to uh, for-profit private interests in the healthcare sector that preside over a two-tier system. So all along the line, they, they're... they're uh, willingness to address the problems people are facing are being uh, uh, hemmed in by their commitment to defend certain private for-profit interests. All right, Malcolm. Well, well, let's look at. I mean, there's a there's a range of issues there. I mean, first of all, in, in the case of uh, Richard is wrong in that I do totally understand. You know how people are, uh, are hurting with the cost of living uh, crisis. And we do understand around the challenges in housing and health. Uh, and as Sarah would have outlined, there is significant investment that's going into those areas. And yes, you can argue uh, that it's not happening quickly enough. Um, but at the same time, there is significant change that's going to happen. The is government standing up to vested interests? Uh, the, the government is standing up to vested interests. And I mean, is it, one like of the on things- the energy companies example that, that Richard has cited there. Yeah, but I, I think one of the one of the issues, which is what we are trying to do at European level, um, because of the fact around the, the and, and I don't want to get into a big debate, although we can uh, around the base rate and how you know rates are calculated at, at, mm. at, a, at a European level. Um, but we are uh, addressing some of the concerns that are there. If we had have introduced, for instance, what Sinn Fein and some of the opposition had been calling for with regard to price caps and so on, uh, then what we would have seen is is that the energy companies would have made far more money out of this. I think the government's approach which has been about giving credits to people, okay. giving support, has, has been the right approach. And All I right. think and one of the things Richard, that Richard, Richard fails that. to address, Richard fails to address in this, though, is, is how he's talking about going to pay for all of this. And for people who read this document, for anyone who wants to create employment or jobs, I mean, Richard regards profit as a dirty word. You, you know, you've, okay. you've got to be able to support entrepreneurs. All right, well, country, I just have to go back to Richard very quickly on that. Okay, because Richard, you are talking at different points in the, in the document about nationalising the banks, nationalising yes. the private hospitals, nationalising the electricity companies. How would you pay for the whole lot of it? Well, I, I think they would it'd save money to nationalise uh, those areas particularly. I think we spend more money on health precisely because we have a privatised two-tier system, and like the United States. It, and it, The United States is one of the only countries who spends more on health than us, precisely because most of the money is hoovered up by okay. f- private for-profit interests. So, actually, nationalising some of the key sectors of the economy would save people uh, money. It would help address the cost of living uh, crisis and the public service crisis we're facing in health health and housing. Uh, but also, uh, as we've pointed out repeatedly, there's huge, huge record profits being generated in, in the Irish economy. We're one of the richest economies in the world, but that money is not being fairly distributed through the tax system. All right, lots of texts in on this. We'll get to some of those a little later on, but thank you both very much for joining us. And we might return to this. I mean, there's huge <laughs> ideological differences here um, and it would be interesting to get into it maybe in a little more detail perhaps next week over the coming weeks. Richard Boy Barrett and Malcolm Byrne, thank you very much.